Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lutzen. Joining me on the line this week is Louis Monzon. Hey guys. And Clinton Matos. Hello again everybody. I'm back. I'm back. Well, I'm filling in for Robin, but I'm back this week. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're doing things remotely this week uh, because Robin is currently away. Um, and uh, it's cold. And also, have you seen the price of petrol? Um, so <laughs> we're recording remotely this week uh, in a rare change of events, but we're still going to give you the best stuff that we've got. Uh, and we're going to start off with the news of the week. Uh, Clinton, you've been playing the new Pikmin game. Did I say that correctly or is it, is it pronounced some weird uh, way? I have no idea. I'm a newcomer to this franchise. Ah, so okay. I think Pikmin is right. So yeah, um, you can check out my review of this game, but I'm going to give you guys um, some thoughts in between my review and just let you guys know how it was. Have you guys played any Pikmin games? No. Um, um, yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know why, though. Uh, let me let me check it. Is, is it a Nintendo game? Always been a yes, Nintendo game. Um, yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, they've released one or two mobile titles um then no i've never really uh, been a uh a, a nintendo nintendo, yeah. nintendo guy yeah well well it's strange because i've always been a nintendo person but not a um not a home console nintendo person i've always been a whole handheld mm. console guy um but that's mostly because i'm a massive pokemon fan and the pokemon games were always on handheld anyway pikmin arrived on the review desk i'm the one who usually reviews play uh, uh switch games so when this came, I really didn't know what to think. Um, I know about the Pikmin franchise in like the corners of my vision. I know yeah. the main character is called Captain Olimar. I know that the, you know, the titular Pikmin are like weird plant people. I don't know if they're even sentient, but uh, basically you use them as like a little workforce. But it's it's like a parasitic relationship because they like working. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird premise for a game. But something I figured out pretty fast uh, once I had played it for an hour or two is that this is kind of like a real-time strategy game mm. in disguise. Now, I say that I might sound a bit foolish to people who have played a lot of this um, series. Maybe they're like, yeah, of course it's a real-time strategy game. And if you do Google Pikmin Wikipedia, it comes up, oh, it's a series of real-time strategy games. I didn't know that going in. I thought it was more a third-person kind of uh, puzzle-solving so game. I really didn't make the connection that it's a real-time strategy game. And for people hearing that and thinking, oh, no, real-time strategy on a console, on a you know, on a controller instead of a yeah. mouse and keyboard, it's a very simplified real-time strategy game. And the way that works is that your Pikmin are simultaneously pretty smart but also kind of dumb. So <laughs> what I mean by that is if you throw a Pikmin at an enemy, your Pikmin will fight the enemy. If you throw your Pikmin at a resource, it will collect that resource and take it mm. back to base. If you throw your Pikmin at um, a structure that needs to be built, it will go and collect the materials for that structure and build it. So they're smart in that regard, but they're really dumb in other regards. Um, for example, if something happens, like they get hit by a certain kind of enemy, they'll absolutely... Uh, they will go mad. They'll just start running around like they're on fire. They do sometimes actually catch fire, and they also go running around mad, but the fire analogy happens every time something happens. They're very dramatic creatures. So, uh, on the one hand, it is nice because they they automate some of the processes, which makes the um, controller um, situation better. But on the other hand, you do need to keep a close eye on them because... They're very fragile, they're very dumb, and they will die like lemmings. So you need to take care of them. And after playing for a while, 
I was having a really serene experience because there is some pressure on you as the player in this game to succeed. Um, again, like I said, your Pikmin are uh, very fragile. And also every uh, day in the game is under a time limit because it works with, a, I don't know what the internal clock is, but you arrive um, in your little missions in the morning and you have to get out of there before the day ends. So there is a time limit and I usually hate time limits. They just stress me out and I don't like them in games, even in racing games. Um, but yeah, I really like the time limit because it gave me, you know, a, a starting point and an ending point um, to play the game. And at the end of every day, you get a little rundown of what you did. And it just, you know, it's fun. It's nice to play a game where you just, you know, you make the numbers go up. And um, uh, we were talking about Diablo the other day here at Hypertext. And that is also a game where the main draw is just making numbers go up. Um, yeah. And uh, Brendan, yourself, and Robin, you guys play Destiny. That is also a game about just, you know, you log in and you make the numbers go up. Yeah. So there's... It really scratches that part of your brain that just likes seeing incremental progress. And it also shows you in, uh, incremental progress in other ways. Uh, for example, you collect various types of resources. Um, one of them can be used to give you permanent upgrades. One of them can be used to give you like usable items like bombs. Um, you also rescue people. Uh, the main aim of the game is to rescue your rescue squad who got stranded. Um, you go and try and rescue someone and then you need rescuing. So that's the whole point of the game, and you you know you find your um, your crewmates as you go along. And there's a nice steady sense of progression that again is just it, it feeds into the the part of your brain that loves to see numbers go up. Um, the one part I really didn't like about the game is those crew members. Um, the writing for them is really irritating. Um, you really don't care <laughs> about them at all. Um, so when you're out there on the field, you know, risking life and limb and Pikmin to uh, advance the story and to <laughs> save everybody, you get to a point where you don't really care and you're just doing it for the fun of it. So that's a bit of a letdown. But everything around this game is really charming, really fun to play. And it's funny, um, everything I've been thinking about playing this game reminds me of what people said about Animal Crossing. Mm. And Animal Crossing is another series that I just never got into. I know Animal Crossing was on portable uh, Nintendo consoles in the past. It was just a series I never got into. But now I kind of do want to try it out because uh, from what I've heard from people and from, from people in real life and on the internet is that Animal Crossing is another series where you log in every day. Well, you don't log in. You switch on your Switch every day. You do a few small tasks to progress things and then you put it down for the day. And I think that's really nice. Uh, you know, as a way to have a little routine to just unwind. Um, some games can be very stressful because they're, you know, they're high action or you're playing PvP or PvE with uh, friends or something like that. But these games, I'm I'm really getting into them where I can just switch them on and relax. So to spoil the end of my review here, um, I do say that one of the best compliments I can give any game is that once this little review period comes to an end, if I'm still playing the game or I still have a a desire to play the game that's my biggest compliment and i am going to keep playing pikmin um i don't know how long um especially because i have a lot of other things going on in life and i might not have that much time for games even if it's just half an hour or an hour per day but i had a lot of fun with this game it really uh was welcoming to me as a newcomer to the game um it was very easy to pick up on with the story and the mechanics so yeah, I'd, I have almost nothing bad to say about this game other than the fact that the story and the characters are not great. So, yeah, this one really surprised me. 
I'm sure people who are real diehards will like what's on offer, but there might be like little nitpick parts of the game that I'm not privy to as a newcomer. But I think for newcomers like myself, they'll have a good time in this one. And um, I will, again, recommend everyone go read the full review. Uh, and I'm the only one um, who really cares that much about Nintendo properties, so I can't even recommend it to the people on the call. So <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just put it out to the readers. Uh, give this one a look. Uh, if you need a game that's very relaxing and maybe you've already played Animal Crossing, try Pikmin 4. It seems like a, uh, I think the co the term is cozy games. If that's yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. is it one of those yeah. sorts of games? Yeah, it's not. It's not quite cottage core, but yeah. it, uh, it is. It <laughs> seems like a cozy game, even though. Um, so, like I said, your Pikmin die fairly often, um, yeah. and they're supposed to be like replaceable. Uh, I mean, you literally grow them out of the ground. Um, they are plants, but uh, every time some of my Pikmin died, I did feel I did feel pretty bad. Um, no. Sometimes they died because of their own stupidity, and other times it was my stupidity. <laughs> and either either way, I uh, I just felt kind of bad. Now, considering that Switch games never go down in price, yeah. um, <laughs> would you recommend this over the latest Zelda game? No. Okay. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I put Tears you between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah, no, it's not a, it's not, it's an easy decision. That's not a rock and a hard place. It's easy. I'm still playing Tears of the Kingdom. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and you know, like I just said, you know, the biggest compliment I can give a game is still playing it once I'm finished reviewing it. And I'm still playing Tears of the Kingdom months later. I'm actually looking forward to, um, I'm going to Japan soon. I've got Tears of the Kingdom loaded up on the Switch. I'm going to be playing that on the plane and on the buses <laughs> and on the trains and everything. So yeah, that's not even a question to me. Definitely Tears of the Kingdom is much better. Okay. But different this game, is still though. really good. It's a different yeah, it, game. It doesn't, yeah, it's a different, it's completely different. I don't think it takes away from the quality of Pikmin 4 to say Tears of the Kingdom may be one of the best games ever made. Is yeah. Than it. So, yeah. It's a bit unfair. Yeah. Sure. I'm really interested to see what the longtime fans think of this one. Um, and, and yeah. Uh, oh, and Pikmin, um, if I'm not mistaken, some of the other Pikmin games were re-released on the eShop. So I think some people are also being reintroduced to those early games. I've Again, I haven't played those early games because I wanted to come into this one with a completely fresh perspective. And yeah, like I said at the end of it, it got me hooked. I'm I'm now a fan. Cool. Right, moving on. Uh, this week, or not this week, this month, uh, Meta launched its Twitter competitor in Threads, um, an Instagram, Instagram app. And in the first four days, it saw 100 million people sign up. Uh, did you guys sign up for Threads in, when it was made available? Yes. I was one of the early adopters. I, oh, okay. I jumped, jumped onto the thread immediately. <laughs> just sold um, Clinton. I haven't, um, not because I don't like it for whatever reason, and I also wanted to jump in so I could get um, Clinton and not Clint like I have on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I just forgot, basically. Okay. Uh, life got in the way. But I have nothing against it, and I, pro I will probably still make an account soonish. Okay, so I did. I was also one of the 100 million people that signed up in the first four days. Um, and that was a really good headline. 100 million signups in the first four days is unheard of. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's massive. Um, but does Threads have the staying power? And according to data published by SimilarWeb, it doesn't seem to. Um, yeah. By the 7th of July, Threads had 49 million daily active users on Android. 
um, which represents about 45% of Twitter's daily users on Android on the same day. Uh, however, concerningly, by Friday the 14th of July, that's last week Friday, uh, the daily active user count on threads had dropped to 23.6 million. So that's almost a quarter of the initial signups uh, were coming back every day by the 14th of the month, which doesn't mm. bode well. Um, but I don't know, as an, one of the early adopters of threads, I guess you could say, um, the, the app doesn't feel finished uh mm. in a word like uh, louis i'm sure you've experienced this there's no yeah. web interface for one mm. um and then also the timeline is basically just the most popular people on instagram yeah uh which it, it doesn't really feel nice as somebody who wants to have control over their timeline yeah. um we can say what we'd like about uh twitter and its for you page uh, but the following tab does work, and it shows me exactly what I expect to see. Yeah. Anyway, um, similar web said something that I thought was really pertinent. They said, to a large mm -hmm. extent, Thread solves the empty party problem that makes it tough to start a new online community by allowing Instagram users to instantly create a Threads account, bringing their, exist their existing contacts with them, which I thought was a smart move. But the problem there is that, like like we mentioned because the timeline isn't chronological even taking into account the accounts that you follow like last night i think i scrolled for about 30 minutes before i saw yeah. an account that i actually followed um and i think they were responding to another uh threat from a, a, a bigger account <laughs> um so yeah it's just uh, it, it doesn't feel very good at the moment but yeah. i am sure that instagram is going to be iterating on this we've already seen this week updates for ios users um and while that feels a bit lame given that most of the world runs on android we should remember that instagram is a us company and iphone mm. is the most popular handset in that territory so uh yeah um so threads is stabilizing um i don't know if it's going to see a bigger surge in users maybe once mm. a few uh, few changes are made um, but it seems that people are still going back to Twitter, even though Elon Musk also said at the weekend that there was a 50% drop in advertising revenue and that uh, Twitter is seeing a negative cash flow. So who knows? Maybe Twitter will just fold and threads will be the only thing that exists. What so is... Go ahead, Louis. Uh, no, I just wanted to give my perspective yeah. um, on the whole situation because I did sign up the day it was launched internationally. Um, the sign up process was really easy. The fact that the, you know, the thing you mentioned about how you can just, uh, take over your, your followers from Instagram, Instagram is yeah. super simple. Yeah. Everyone likes that. Um, but I've noticed in the last, so the first four days, first week I was using threads a lot. I was yeah. like on there, I was, I was making my threats. <laughs> I was, you know, and looking at other people and then there's just uh, I don't know what happened, but there was this kind of like this loss of interest. I just have, I just started using threads less and less and less. And I don't know if it's because like you mentioned there, they feed you, the algorithm feeds you other people that you don't necessarily care about. Yeah. Or it's because, um, like you mentioned, it's unfinished and there, it missed There's one of the key things for me that's missing. And one of the things that keeps me coming back to Twitter is that you can't look up, certain conversations that you yeah. want to be part of you can't look up hashtags it doesn't have hashtags right yeah. which is weird because instagram has hashtags and although instagram's hashtags aren't implemented as well as twitter's hashtags They're you can still, still 
Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. You know, they have the technology, but Threads doesn't have it. You know, so while on on Twitter, if you want to, okay, so you, uh, for example, um, if you want to be seeing what people are talking about a certain sporting event, like the Tour de France that's yeah. happening now, the you know the the bicycles, that's the biggest sporting thing that's happening right now. Um, if you want to talk about it on Twitter, you can just you know type in hashtag Tour de France, and then you get millions or at least hundreds of thousands of people talking about the tour and news articles, everything you want to know about that specific thing. Yeah, you don't um, even have to like spell it correctly most of the yeah. time because <laughs> Twitter's search is so good; it'll kind of pick up what you're trying to say and yeah, show you the stuff that's related to that topic. On the other hand, threads. If you look up the 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 magnifying glass search function that it has yeah. you can't look up conversations or hashtags you can only look up accounts yeah. right so that immediately takes away that advantage from from threads and then what basically you kind of what it boils down to is uh what is happening right now kind of app you know um yeah. and, and an app that you can really find certain things it's it's basically it's like walking into every time you open threads instead of uh, like Twitter would be like walking towards a door or or choosing a, the kind of party you want to be at, mm. you know, where your where your friends are, and you know where where you know what's happening. Walking into Threads or opening Threads is like opening a random door, and there's a bunch of strangers there, and you know they're talking about stuff, and maybe you find the fr one friend or two, but most of the time it's just you know randoms, and that's kind of why I think I'm using it less and less. So uh, I also I also read uh, a story. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember who exactly it was by. I, mean, I think maybe The Verge. Um, and they reported that um, Threads was released earlier uh, than it should have been. So it mm. is incomplete. And it was released early because uh, Zuckerberg jumped on the fact that uh, it would release ex almost just after um, Musk made that big announcement that he was going to be rate limiting users on Twitter. Oh, really? And then Zuck jumped on it immediately. Oh, wow. And now what we're kind of having is kind of a, a, a lag of content because yeah. the, you know, the stress team is, is trying to hurry up and put the, the stuff out, but it's not finished. The app isn't finished. Yeah. And that's why they've, they've kind of lost a lot of the momentum, I think. Yeah, I also think it comes down to culture as well. Um, mm. Like Twitter, initially when it was early days of Twitter, anything went. You could say or do anything. And yeah. I think that helped build up Twitter's success, whether it was the right thing to do or not. Um, it was largely like a, a, a wasteland and anybody could <laughs> say or do anything. And that kind of helped build Twitter's image as this punk rock social network where the people who didn't really fit in on Facebook could go there, the people who didn't fit in on Instagram when it was still its independent thing or MySpace or whatever it was, like they could go to Twitter. And a lot of those people ended up being journalists and news organizations and mm. all those folks. And over time, Twitter became popular. Like I understand that Threads is building off of the success of Instagram, but you can't just add water and have a successful social network that way. Right. Like it takes time. And also understanding your users, which is where I think Twitter is suffering at the moment, is that the person calling the shots there doesn't fully grasp what made that platform good. Like it was toxic and it was terrible. Um, or I mean, I said like it's gotten better, but I mean, yeah. it, it hasn't. Um, but it... It worked in the way that it did, and they had to try to make uh, include protections and changes 
to kind of stop the the worst of the worst from getting through to most people um but yeah threads just feels it really just feels half finished and half baked and hearing that it was released early to just kind of throw shade at musk for rate limiting users i also saw uh on monday that uh they were rate limiting people on threads as well at the weekend Mm. um because they couldn't cope with the amounts of people that were on the platform so yeah it's all just uh magical internet uh cup games yeah clinton um what does it actually do that twitter doesn't do besides not being owned by elon captures a lot more data according Mm. to several reports um including like health and fitness and uh financial data um but yeah there's and as a yeah, I was gonna say, and I, and I suppose the, the another thing that it does, which is something that it kind of not really does, it's kind of just piggybacks on Instagram, is that you get a bunch, you get a lot of the Instagram influencers on there and the Instagram uh, accounts. Not to throw shade, I've heard that those Instagram people are absolutely flummoxed by the fact that they have to use words now, and you're getting <laughs> a lot comments. of tweets. So it's like you get a lot of tweets or like. Who likes pizza? You know. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen comments. stuff like that. On uh, who who doesn't like Mondays? Leave a comment, and it's like the most basic human. Le- uh, you know. Hey, you know what? Humans. Do you if like you remember your first tweet, you will be cringing. Like I, I remember know. my I'm, first tweet, and it was not first, good. I was like fourteen years old when yeah, I made my first tweet. These are adult- adult- Okay, but these are adults with millions of dollars on <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, I would uh, I would expect more than who likes pizza. So, I mean, I like pizza. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't go tweeting about. I mean, everybody likes pizza, man. Who who like who likes breathing air? It's like oh, I'm fond of air. <laughs> yeah, everybody is, dude. That's not a not that's unique. not a personality. Yeah. So yeah, uh, threads. We'll have to see how it goes in the long run. Um, but for now, it seems to just be another social network with some problems. Um, and this one is run by Mark Zuckerberg. So yeah, um, let's see how it goes for them in the future. Uh, moving on, uh, Louis, there's a new official language in South Africa, making it the Indeed. 12th. Indeed. So I don't know about you guys, but growing up, like there was a particular point of like national pride as a kid was that South Africa has 11 official languages, you know, yeah. compared to like the U S they only have two, whatever. You know, Spain only has one official language. What a bunch of losers, you know? <laughs> so, and South Africa has 11, baby. You know, that's yeah. that's something that's really cool and very, very inclusive and awesome. And, you know, and unique. it kind of, yeah, and, and it kind of goes towards the whole, you know, Rainbow Nation thing. Like, look yeah. how many, you know. Um, and that has been the case for the longest time. You know, we have 11 official languages. It's a point of national pride. And now, uh, as of Wednesday, the 19th of July, we will have 12 official languages with Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of the Republic, adding South African Sign Language to uh, the Constitution. So that that makes 12 official languages. Um, and uh, if I can run down the list, it, it is in alphabetical order. Afrikaans, English, Isi Ndebele, Isi Kosa, Isi Zulu, Sesutu, Seperi, Setswana, Sitswati, Shivenda, and Tsitsonga. And now South African Sign Language. So, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty interesting um that sign language is now added as an official language um i know that zimbabwe is another country that has added sign language as an official language yeah. uh, in, for interest's sake zimbabwe is, is um, has 18 official languages so they they oh, beat us by, beating us man. by Come quite on. by quite a few 
Um, so yeah, in the in the language uh, in the language Olympics, we're we're I think the third place uh, globally. Uh, is, yeah, we're bronze, but uh, I think we'll, we'll to get gold, we're gonna have to add a create a few more languages because uh, at the first place is Bolivia. Oh wow! And does anyone want to guess how many languages they have officially? Thirty-two. We're close, close, Brendan. Close, oh my oh, god! Oh, if that's close, I'm gonna go thirty-five. Even closer. Oh, wow. They have 37 official, officially recognized languages. Um, is that which just is, every language? I, I think they have a lot of, like, all the little side dialects and oh, stuff. Okay, They're like, right. this one. This one imagine, you, imagine you, like, use an ATM and it's like, please select your language. <laughs> and it's like, just, you have to scroll. Five pages scroll, scroll, worth of scroll, languages. Yeah. yeah, so, so okay, so if I can bring it back down to uh, South Africa. So, apparently... Um, the decision came uh, to approve South African Sign Language to be added as the 12th official language um, in May. Uh, the National Assembly approved it, um, and they approved that the South African Constitution would be amended uh, to add the language. Um, so today, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa will be signing it into law as part of the South African Sign Language Bill um, during a ceremony at the Union Buildings. Um, and yeah, we will have a, a, a 12 official language. Um, it will be uh, according to estimates and you know what I, what I was able to find um, and I, what I detailed in the article that I wrote about it, uh, it will be among the least spoken uh, uh, or used rather official languages that we have um, uh, around almost just uh, I believe it is 600,000 South Africans mm -hmm. use SASL. Um, compared to the language that's used the most, which is Isizulu, is around 27.3 million users. Wow. So, so yeah, definitely one of the least used languages. And I know um, there's a lot of controversy about like, oh, you know, who's, who really speaks uh, Tsitsonga or who, who really speaks, you know, Chivenda? You know, those languages are only spoken by oh, a couple million people here, a couple million people there. So I, yeah. I, I wonder what they're going to say about South African Sign Language in a few years. Um, I, I also have to wonder... Um... Because I was actually going to ask, because I know there's different sign languages, and you said it's South African sign language. I wonder how compatible it is with other ones, especially American sign language, which I think is the one with maybe not the most, but it's probably like one of the most recognized, uh, ALS, um, a ASL, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, I'm sure they, the government might have that on a website somewhere I can mm. look up. So... One of the things the government did say about this whole situation, and one of the reasons why they kind of, one of the reasons why it was uh, approved as, a, as an official language is they said that South African Sign Language has um, local, I want to say local flavor. Uh, I guess that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but basically there's a lot of uh, intricacies that are only found in South African Sign Language because of, mm. you know, the, the people that live here, the South Africans. Mm. Um, I think it's based on uh, like an, an international standard of sign language. But there are certain words that you know that don't exist in other in other like languages or other countries, for example, right? Yeah. Um, and also certain ideas and things that have to be kind of communicated like, differently. Like load shedding. I'm sure there's a, a sign language for load shedding. Well, I exactly. Mean, I mean, there's also things like words that we use, like quarter, right? Like that's mm. that is its own unique South African thing, like something like the kasi or whatever. Like there, there's there's South Africanisms. Uh, and like you say, slang that are unique to South Africa that we drop into our language and mm. they just give it that local flair. And I'm sure that's the same all around the world and everywhere that has sign language does have its own unique sort of um, 
its own adaptation right um it's making yeah. me realize how ignorant i am to all of this um which well, uh, makes me want to go and read up about it a bit more it's interesting you say that brendan because that's one of the reasons they say that they're doing this yeah. um that because they want to kind of bring it bring the community the, the sasl community on the same kind of footing as the communities that speak other languages that's and awesome. kind of uh, bring like an inequality to it like we all kind of on the same level it's definitely it's an official language we're all there uh the people who use south african sign language are just as worthy of uh you know being understood and included and, yeah. uh, included as all the other languages yeah. so that's one of the reasons where they're adding it i think it's a good thing i think it's um it's not going to really affect people that much in their lives it's a very it's a ceremonial thing mm. um really if you if when it kind of boils down to it you know it's a ceremonial uh, gesture to add but it for as those, an official language. but for those who use the language i'm sure it's a really important gesture yeah. so yeah for, i can't believe i'm about to say this but well done south african government a rare turn hey, of events man. in the podcast hey man a broken clock yeah <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, as always, we'll have links to everything we've discussed in this section of the podcast below. Um, and today we wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, I've recently been away uh, on vacay, which was very nice. Um, but I found myself clinging to home in certain aspects uh, by taking a, a gadget that I have now realized I take pretty much with I take with me pretty much everywhere. Um, and I wanted to pick your brains uh, today and find out what sort of gadgets you carry around and not just like your smartphone um, because everybody has one of those uh, but I wanted to just find out what sort of weird gadgets you keep around that are really important in your life and if they were missing uh, you would notice it immediately um, so we've each picked, picked two or three um, and I'm going to just go through through each of us and, uh, and, and ask what they are I'm going to start with mine though just to get us going um, so the thing that I have found that I'm carrying with me more and more often is a Thermopen uh, ultra-fast instant read thermometer. So I love cooking. Uh, I love brying as much as the next South African, but I don't trust myself to, te to uh, know the temperature of meat. All right. Like I've been cooking for a long time, but to this day, if I poke a piece of steak, I don't know how, how done it is. Uh, you can say that I'm not a pro chef and that's fine because I'm not. I am not Gordon Ramsay. I am not the dude from the bear, um, so I admit that I am human. And about two years ago, I saw on Take a Lot that they were selling one of these instant read thermometers, and I'd read, I'd heard all about them from um, the likes of Bon Appetit and um, Maddie Matheson and uh, Binging with Babish, uh, all these YouTube <laughs> cookers. Uh, but they all said that you should have one of these, uh, whether it's for getting the temperature of sugar or just getting the accurate temperature of meat. Um, so I bought one of these things and it is honestly the best thing I have ever spent my money on. Uh, yeah. Basically, it's, uh, it's just a thermometer that has a sharp little steel point uh, that you can insert into meat or cakes or whatever. And it will give you the, the temperature of that item instantaneously like it it says one to two seconds on the packaging um but it's instantaneous like there's it, obviously it takes a while for the numbers to go up uh but once it once it gets there you know whereabouts you are um and once you insert it into your meat or whatever and it's it's just so so convenient it runs off of two double a batteries which i have yet to change in the now two years that i've had it oh that's um, crazy 
and it works for everything. I've used it with sugar. I've used it with meat. I've used it with chicken. Um, obviously, there are things that you can't do. Like, it's not one of those ones you can just put into the oven and leave in while it's cooking. It's not a leave-in thermometer. Um, but it really is just so, so useful. And this is going to sound ridiculous and very dangerous. I do not recommend you try this at home. But when it was COVID times, um, I actually used this thing <laughs> to take my own temperature. Just put it under my tongue to take my own temperature. And would you and believe... It and it worked. It worked. And I could hey, monitor my temperature and I discovered that I had a fever. So, I mean, it, it works. It's not... I would not recommend it because... the the point is incredibly sharp like make sure you're sitting down that nothing's gonna scare you yeah don't do it just don't do it um but yeah you can pick them up for like under a thousand rand if you are somebody that buys often and you find that people are always asking for the meat medium or rare or some people want it well done um what's really nice is that on the back of the actual thermometer it's got uh the average temperature of what things would be so with beef it tells you what temperature rare is medium well done uh, then it also tells you the safe uh, temperature for things like chicken, right? Because you don't really want to overcook chicken. So this is, yeah. is a really, really useful for that, if nothing else. Just being able to like see, okay, my chicken should be 75 degrees for it to be safe to eat. And uh, yeah, you can switch it to uh, Fahrenheit and Celsius, which is really nice. Uh, but yeah, I found myself kind of walking around with this thing. And it does sort of fit in your pocket. So you can bring it to a bra and whip it out and people are like oh what's that thing and it gets the conversation going as well mm. which is always nice um the second thing that i have is uh something that i picked up at a, a computer store when i was just shopping around um and it's something that has become so invaluable during load shedding and that is a kvm switch do you guys know what these are no i don't Okay, so essentially what it is, is it's a box that allows for multiple outputs, or sorry, multiple inputs and two outputs. So essentially what I could do with this box, what I can do is I can run uh, an HDMI from my screen. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I can run one HDMI to this box, from my screen to this box, and then I can run an HDMI from my PC and from my laptop to this box. Then what I can do, the same thing with my mouse and keyboard. So all I need to do is essentially plug in one USB into my um, laptop, one USB into my, um, my, my computer, and one HDMI into each. And I can use both. I don't have to switch anything out. So essentially, it's, it's one plug. Um, obviously, if I take my laptop away, I just have to plug those back in. But with my desktop, I just leave everything as is. Um, and yeah, essentially when load shedding switch or load shedding hits, I can switch over from my laptop to my, uh, my desk or sorry, from my de desktop to my laptop seamlessly without having to do a whole dance of switching ports around and switching cables out and all that sort of nonsense. Um, this cost me like 800 bucks, but it's a really, it's a really high end one. It's suited for 4k. So if you have a 4k screen, this is the sort of thing that you would need. Um, the one problem that I have discovered with it, though, is that uh, if you only have a display port in your monitor, you're going to struggle as well with um, your graphics card. And I know a lot of modern graphics card don't graphics cards only have one HDMI port. So, mm. yeah, that that could be a bit of a problem. But honestly, if you have a setup where you have a desktop and a laptop and you switch, find yourself switching between the two. Uh, when load shedding hits, uh, this is a really great way to make that less of a chore. Um, and yeah, 
just shop around it's called the kvm switch um look for one with hdmi and usb uh and yeah uh mine is a no-name brand it doesn't have any sort of name um but it works and uh yeah I, it's just a really really useful little thing um brendan what is the difference between this and a powered usb hub so this the usb hub i'd have to switch between my desktop and my um my my notebook so essentially what this is is it's a hub and then there is a usb running from that hub to your uh your laptop and your note and, or, and your desktop so essentially everything is plugged into this hub rather than your computer and you could i could ostensibly use my mouse on my desktop and my laptop at the same time my mouse and keyboard at the same time oh that's cool yeah so it's sort of like um like logitech has their uh their wireless technology where you can use up to three or four devices on four different or you can use the same device on up to four different machines yeah it's that but the hardware version okay okay that's cool the wired old school version yeah so it's called the kvm switch they used to be really popular back in the day uh, especially for it teams who were trying to uh trying to manage multiple server instances and all that sort of stuff it's powered through uh just a usb type c port um and yeah you could even plug that just into your your uh computer or your laptop but um i've just got that running to an outside power source power source so yeah, KVM switch, a KVM switch, and a Thermo Thermo Pro Ultra Fast Instant Read thermometer. Right, uh, let's move on to you, Louis. What are your What are your things, your gadgets that you can't live without? So Clinton mentioned that one of the best things he can say in a review is that he continued to play the game after the review period has ended. Uh, and then I will take that and I will kind of press it towards. Uh, a review of a gadget or a product. So I reviewed the Romos Thunder Power Station, um, the 1,000 megawatt uh, version, or oh, sorry, the 1,000 watt version, not megawatt, that's a lot, 1,000 watt uh, configuration. Um, it is basically a little power source, a little portable power source that you can kind of have around the house. Um, and uh, it hasn't been collected yet after the review is done. And uh, I'll be honest, I still have it plugged into my PC because uh, it is amazing and incredible and... Uh, when there's when load shedding hits, I'm just like, oh whatever, I don't care, you know. Well, that's what nice. what load shedding. Oh, my PC it does, doesn't even flicker nothing. It's as if it's still plugged in. It's is the best thing ever. Oh wow, what's um, it switch over? Is it like? It's like I don't even know what like sw- switch over. What's that? It just, it just <laughs> I don't know. It's there. It just keeps working, like, um, uh, and it it can go for like it tells you how long uh it can last. If you if it's on the battery mode and like yeah. obviously when the power without being fed by the power um it'll it'll go and like it'll and that was, it's a nice thing that it tells you and like usually on my pc if i'm working um i'm not using that much power yeah like uh and so they can go up to six hours seven hours oh wow um if i'm gaming it'll go down to maybe five hours which is like okay. uh, at this yeah. point in my life uh any one hour i get of gaming is like good you know what i mean Agreed. so five yeah. hours is like man that's nuts um and it's it it's just it's been uh a, honestly it's been a pleasure to have the machine in my place um i i know that you can uh you can use it to like power your your little um kitchen appliances like you can you can to- you can use it to to work the toaster you oh, know wow. um you can't you can't put your fridge on it yeah. but 
you can you know you can work the toaster you can you can you get a blender on it um you can put a fan on it which is great you know uh, it's, it's been cold right summer. now yeah yeah but for summer i mean i know some people like uh, for example uh myself <laughs> if the if there's low setting and the fan switches off Ooh. i immediately wake up yep. right like oh the heat you know the heat just instantly yeah. hits you i know something is wrong yeah. So this will make sure that does that doesn't happen. In fact, you won't even notice that there was low shading at night, which is awesome. You know what I mean? You can just ignore it. Um, and uh, it's it's honestly been great, and I'm gonna be sad to see it go. Uh, I mean, it even has like on the top of it, it has like a wireless charging deck. So you oh, can wow. if you if you have a smartphone that has wireless charging, you just pop it on there and it'll charge your device. Damn. Um, I couldn't test it. Obviously, I don't. I'm not so fancy. I have a yeah. I have a <laughs> Samsung and it uses a cable. But uh, yeah, it has that, and and um, the batteries that it have. So it uses a lithium uh, ternary lithium battery, um, which is capable of 800 battery cycles. So that's a few years of usage, depending on how much you use it. Well, um, in South Africa, I don't know about. Maybe yeah. with maybe with the load shedding, it'll it'll be a bit less. Um, you know, depending how much you use it. Um, I know that uh, uh, Brendan, you reviewed the EcoFlow Delta Two. Yeah, which is basically like a super beefed up version of yeah, the yeah. of the Rolls Thunder. It's like the uh, Rolls Royce, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if the Rolls Thunder is like a like a very solid, like a I don't know what's a solid car that just will never you know give you up, never let you down. Toyota like a nice, to, like a really nice Toyota Corolla or something. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, then yeah, if so, if the EcoFlow is the Rolls Royce, this is like a very solid Toyota Corolla. It will never let you down, um, yeah. and it's been great. And I'll be sad to see it go. Um, and then, okay, and then, so uh, now it's time for real dad hours. <laughs> real, real dad. So uh, my wife and I had a little baby in February, um, and uh, she's very cute, and she's four months old or almost five months. Um, and then you learn about certain things uh, when you have a child, uh, especially because um, you you learn that uh, children are difficult, and uh, and you 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 turn to technology to help you out. You know. Um, so one of the things, or a few, a few of the things that you find out is that there's, uh, uh, there's this, there are lots of little gadgets and little products and, little, you know, <laughs> a, a huge amount of things that you can do to make your life easier when you have a baby. Um, and I hope, um, the more like the organic parents out there and, or the, you know, the influencers who are about, you know, they'll not, you know, drag me for this because the next two products I'm going to talk about are from the biggest uh, baby companies in the world. They're they're from Big Baby, as I like to call them. Big baby. <laughs> boss Baby. It's yeah, from the Boss Baby. <laughs> they're from Big Baby. You heard of Big Pharma. Get ready for Big Baby. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the first product is the Nook Vario Express Electric Sterilizer. Okay. So Nook is one of the Big Baby pillars, you know? Okay. Um, they have they have bottles and everything, and they make a million things. So this machine, um, it's a little bit on the expensive side, almost three thousand rand. Uh, we got gifted it from my parents uh, randomly um, after we had our, our daughter, and uh, you basically so when for if obviously you guys uh, might not know this, but you have to make sure that the bottles and the stuff that she uses, you can, you might hear my baby in the background. She loves to serenade us with her the song, with the song of her, with the song of her people. Um, but uh, you basically have to sterilize the bottles. You have to clean the bottles and sterilize them. Why is yeah. this? Um, because babies are very sensitive okay. uh, to like uh, bacterial infections. Oh, okay. like, right. like if you make her formula, you have to wash her hands beforehand, like with soap, and you have to make sure, you know. 
because they get sick very quickly and they get uh, and it can be bad, right? Okay. Um, so you have to make sure that the bottles are sterilized. Okay. Um, and beforehand to do this, you would have to boil the bottles in water on the on the hob back on the, the on the day. stove. Yeah. Back in the day. And now with this machine with the electric sterilizer, um, you can just how it works is that you basically take the top. It's super simple. You take the top off. You fill it a little bit with water, like from the tap. You put the bottles in all the stuff after you know after you've uh, you've rinsed it and, and cleaned it of the the formula or whatever, and you put the lid back on and you switch it on and in four minutes it what it does it boils the water and it basically boils or it kills the bacteria with with steam right, um and it takes like maybe thirty seconds to to load it up and all that stuff and you just leave it on you forget about it and it's done, and it is uh, I use it every day, uh literally every sometimes twice a day. Because it, it just makes my life so much more simpler than having to boil bottles in, on the ket on the you know, um, or like I know there's a microwave sterilizer. Yeah. You can just put the bottles in the microwave and it does the same thing. But this is just it works. It's easy, um, and as and it's a little bit expensive. But if uh, if you're looking for a product to make your life easier and if you God you God I hate having to boil these bottles every day. Yeah. I'm boiling bottles. <laughs> I just wish one day I could every stop boiling. Every day I'm boiling. <laughs> Then this is this is a good product. But um, I can also then, imagine like boiling plastic bottles on a stovetop. You lose yeah. attention for one second. You've got plastic flavored water now. Yeah, I mean, if you, I'm sure if you you keep them boiling because usually the bottles nowadays they're very strong, incredibly yeah. durable. Okay. So you, they're made to be sterilized, right? Okay, all right. Um, but I imagine if you leave them on there for more than I don't know a few hours, you'll eventually get something wrong. They'll yeah. shrink yeah. or something, you know. Um, okay, then my second, well, my third product rather, is from the other big pillar of Big Baby. <laughs> uh, is uh, the, it's a company called Tommy Tippy. Oh, they I make everything, right? One of the one of the big babies, um, and the product is called the Grow Egg. It looks like an egg. Um, okay. uh, I also call it the Groog because it it's it's Grow Egg and it's one word, ah, so it yeah. looks it looks like Groog. Um, it would drive my, my wife crazy when I say, you put on the Groog. You know, make sure the Groog is on. Uh, so it's a, it's a, the Tommy Tippy Groog 2 digital color changing nursery thermometer and nightlight. Yes, the, uh, electric boogaloo. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, it has a fancy long name. But what this is, is basically a nightlight. A little cute little nightlight. You plug it in and it has a built-in thermometer. And the thermometer is is gives you accurate uh, temperature of the room, and it and the light of the Groog of the grow egg changes depending on the temperature. Oh. So why this is important is because uh, when you have a baby, uh, especially when they're very small, one of the concerns is that if they get too hot, they'll just they'll just die, right? Or yeah. if they get too cool. It's called sudden infant death syndrome. Maybe I'm getting a bit uh, a bit uh, dark here no, on, the, on uh, the podcast. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very serious. So. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's a very important that when you have a newborn that you know exactly what the temperature of the room is so that you can dress them appropriately for bedtime. Right? Yeah. Um. And that's why uh, this was really helpful for us because now, even now today she's four months, so the chances are of, of something like something like that happening is a lot less. But still, like, you don't want it to be cold. Because she can't tell you if she's cold. Yeah, right? that's, that's I was going to say. Like, babies can't speak. They can't tell they, you, yeah. I'm too hot, I'm too cold. Like, so you... The, in, the boss baby can. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, damn, the damn boss baby. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably die without having to see that movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, you, you switch it on. And so when it's really cold, so now when the cold front, 
what's interesting is that it went so when it's really cold it turns blue like okay. a very bright blue light yeah um and during the cold front it was blue for like a few days straight oh, wow right so then we have to okay you have to be aware you have to put lots of more clothes on the baby and stuff like that um when it gets really hot it goes red so then wow. and so what you want to keep it on is that uh, like an orange yellow that's like okay. the perfect temperature uh for, for for the sleeping of the baby and how to, and apparently also babies have like nightmares if they get too hot you know really? which, is te- which is just terrifying you know um but yeah it's it's really really cool uh it's it's like 400 bucks at, at this game or clicks um it and uh i think it kind of t- takes a lot of the guessing out of like how hot your child is because yeah. I mean, it, I mean, how how what how much clothes do you put on the baby? How much, you know, do you put socks on the baby? <laughs> you know, do you put the hat? But yeah. this will kind of it comes also with like a nice little uh, board where it tells you, okay, if it's yellow, you put this clothes. If it's red, okay. you put this clothes. If it's blue, you put. So it's idiot proof in that way. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, it's a good product. Uh, thank you, Tommy Timpy. Please don't come after me, organic moms on <laughs> on the internet. I mean, I think it's cool that there's, like, technological solutions for this. Like, I think, like, everybody says, oh, well, you you just figure it out. Yeah, but, I mean, I want to take the risk out of the situation. Yeah. So if I can just know, like, how cold or hot the room is, that's great. I mean, it's it's so simple. And, I mean, the just figure it out thing, like... I don't know about other parents, but I'm not willing to risk my child's life on me just... I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I can sometimes be an idiot, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to make sure of things, you know? Absolutely. I, uh, but yeah, those are my picks uh, of gadgets that uh, I have... I use every day, and they make my life much easier. Cool. Clinton, let's move on yes. to you. So, um, also in the realm of load shedding, and I know people would maybe not call this a quote-unquote gadget, because it is a console, but it is the Nintendo Switch. I honestly don't know how I would have gotten through the last few years of load shedding without the Switch. The ability to play like proper console games, even if it's at a lower resolution or a lower frame rate um, while there's no power, is just invaluable to me. And listen, I prefer to play games on PC, but I don't right now have a UPS for my PC. I've only got one for my internet, um, and that's really all I need. Um, but man, there's I can watch a lot of YouTube, but there's a limit um, of watching <laughs> stuff during load shedding. So the fact that I can play some games is um, it's just it's a huge boon. And it's unfortunate that the Switch is so expensive in South Africa compared to some other countries, but it is like more needed in South Africa than those other countries because of load shedding. So yeah you can get them now uh secondhand for much cheaper so at least that's um one positive is that they are still expensive um but you can get them cheap in south africa now the one the specific one i'm using i am using the oled which again is the more expensive one i i know um but you can get even the oled now used at a decent price and also there are so many games out um already that it makes the um what's it called like the the value of your purchase higher because you're not buying it and just hoping that nice new games are going to come out you're buying it knowing that there's already a huge library of first party Mm. games that you can only play on the switch and there's also a huge library of third party games you can play a lot of your favorite games on switch case in point into the gungeon a game i play almost every day (laughs) i can play on switch as well as my pc so it's just a huge boon um i will bring this back 
a little bit to gadgets by saying the way I play mine is not with the standard Joy-Con controllers. Those things are not made for human hands. I don't know how anyone in the world, even people, listen, I don't have big hands, but I understand that they're better for smaller hands. I don't know how anyone uses the Joy-Con controllers. And I'm not even talking about the fact that so many of them fail and the fact that I myself have had three failed, um, sorry, not failed, like destroyed Joy-Con controllers because of the um, stick drift problem. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the ergonomics and the size of the Joy-Cons. They are insufferable. Now, again, I just want to ask you guys, because I'm the only Nintendo person here. Have you guys ever just picked up a Nintendo Switch with normal Joy-Cons and tried to play something on there? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, <clears throat> and I will say that initially it's quite jarring. Um, mm. Just the way that it's it's laid out with the screen yeah. in the middle. Um like it's something that i had to get used to because i'm so used to like picking up an xbox controller or a playstation controller yeah. which is like small fits in your hands um so it was quite jarring but i mean it's got a nice weight to it it feels like a really premium product um yeah i mean it's 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 okay i guess i, I haven't used it for an extended period of time so i can't really yeah. comment on like what it's like to use it um yeah i but think you're going is... through like a sorry yeah no go ahead yeah, it just feels. No, go for it. It just feels like um, like something you have to get used to, right? Like it's not something you can just pick up yeah. and be like, "Oh, I'm an expert," um, which I yeah. think is is one of the reasons that people might not like it initially if they pick it up the first time. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you can you can comment on that better than I can. Yeah. So I think what happens is that you go through kind of a curve where first is jarring just because of it's it's new. Then you get used to it, and then your hands want to explode because they're so ergonomically Damn. terrible. So it's this little, it's a little game that you have to play. But I bring this all up because there is a lot of third-party um, solutions, and this third-party solution I've been using is Hori Split Pad Pro. So basically, this is a pair of much larger um, Joy-Con replacements. You slide the old Joy-Cons off, you slide these back on. Um, they're much bigger. What do you call the like? The part that your hand wraps around on a controller, some people call them like wings. I call some them people horns. Just, just call them, yeah, they're like, the, mm. everyone knows what I mean. The little yeah. handles on the controllers. Yeah. It has much, the, the, the normal Joy-Cons have no handles. It's, they are completely flat. These ones have a decent handhold. And they're still not as comfortable as I would want them to be, like a, a regular controller from any other company. But they are in a different stratosphere compared to the Joy-Cons. That being said, they do come with some downsides. First is the price. Um, can't remember right now, but I think they're about one, two. Um, my value on this is kind of weird because they went on sale for a little while and then they sold out and we didn't know if they were coming back. So I can't remember, but they're more than a thousand is what I can tell you for sure. And you have to give up a lot of stuff. First of all, these only work uh, in handheld mode, you cannot take these off of the console and use them Ooh. wirelessly. There's no battery inside. So if you are someone who plays a lot of handheld switch, you just can't use this um, this accessory. It just won't work for you. Um, the other problem is it, it's it's missing a lot of other features like rumble. That's probably the one that I miss the most. Um, it doesn't have any support for amiibos. So um, the, the rumble means it doesn't uh, it doesn't do the vibration when yes. something cool happens. All right. Yeah. And that is, I thought I didn't miss it that much. And then I was playing something with um, a controller with rumble the other day. And I was like, oh man, this actually does add a lot to gameplay. So you have to give up a lot 
but I still recommend him. Um, another part of why they get such a strong recommendation from me is that the accessory market for the Switch in South Africa has gotten a lot better in the last few years, but we're still not on par with other countries where you could get a solution that does have rumble. Um, so in South Africa, I think this is as, better, as best as you can get uh, without importing. So yeah, the Switch and the, the Hori Split Pad Pro um, get a real big thumbs up for me. Clinton, sorry, off, um, sorry, sorry yes. Clinton, can I just ask, what's the battery life of the Switch like? Okay, so it completely depends on which one you get. The original um nintendo switch uh at most you could get if you're playing like a, a really heavy first party game like breath of the wild you would probably only get an hour and a half to about two hours right yeah if you were playing uh, like a little indie game uh that was less intensive it doesn't have like 3d and everything you could get maybe around four so you, you, quite a lot right okay but the OLED, um, the OLED and the new generation of Switch, so it's a bit complex um, just to keep track of when you're buying these. They still make the old style Nintendo Switch with a new chip inside of it. And the new chip doesn't make the console more powerful. It makes it more efficient. And it wow, doesn't okay. double the battery life, but it gives you a lot of battery life. And so the old model and the OLED have you can get versions with the new one, right? With the new okay. chip. This OLED, I don't think I've ever had a problem going through like a full four and a half hours of load shedding if oh, I'm wow. playing a game that whole time. Um, it really, like again, Into the Gungeon, right? A typical Into the Gungeon run. Now that is like uh, an indie game that's less demanding. In an hour of play in Into the Gungeon, I'll probably only take off 10% of the OLED's battery. Wow. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but then again, I was playing, like I was saying, um, Tears of the Kingdom. In Tears of the Kingdom, you would probably get between two and three hours, depending on what you're doing, which is still much like more than you were getting on the other one. So just uh, I recommend people just look up if they are buying new or secondhand. I don't I don't think they sell the old version in stores anymore unless you find old stock. Just look up the package difference um, before you buy. Just check that out. I would definitely recommend. You don't have to get the OLED, but I would recommend getting the one with the new chip for that longer battery life. Okay. It it, it runs circles around the Steam Deck. Um, I, I wanted to bring that up, and also it runs circles around the uh, the Ally. Uh, RNG Ally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then again, um, you know, you're not getting as good as resolution and frame rate and eh, on, i mean at that size you know, are we really, no, really going to split hairs about mean, 4k and hd and stuff you know, yeah HD. well i mean on on those other consoles you could drop the resolution and the frame rate down to switch levels and you would probably get much more life so you know mm. everything's a compromise yeah um but i've never ever wanted for more battery on the new version so definitely aim for those if you want to pick one up awesome okay so uh, i want to complain a little bit for my last gadget this is the Logitech five, uh, G502 Hero, arguably the most popular gaming mouse in the world. Now, Damn. yeah, a few years ago, um, I bought one of these for myself, you know, completely, you know, private citizen purchase, nothing to do with my job. Um, the PR for Logitech or the distributor who we have, uh, you know, we've spoken to before and they've sent us review. They had nothing to do with this. I needed a new mouse. It was on sale on Evotech and I bought it. Pretty happy, you know, last uh, two and a half years. Um, the warranty EveTech gave was for two years instead of the standard in South Africa of one year, which is nice. It's been two and a half years. The mouse has died. 
what happened? I started to get double click issues. Basically, what it means is that one um, left mouse, bu mouse button click, you know, the, <laughs> the part of the mouse that is the most used by like 90%, it started registering, registering two clicks instead of one. Which you might think is like, oh, you know, that's, I mean, that's irritating, but it's not like super bad. It's super bad. Yeah, super bad. There are, there are so many bad things that can happen when you're doing that. Yeah. One of the things is like on Gmail, when you click the little three dots to do like reply or reply all, oh, it will no. just select one of them at random. And I almost sent a few emails like that by mistake. Ooh. And again, I probably wouldn't have like, nothing super serious would have happened, but I mean... No, to send it, it, an email when you didn't want to is a pretty massive mistake in my It would have driven opinion. me absolutely insane. Yeah, so I googled, I, this. Before, yeah. I googled this and I got quite irritated because apparently this is a completely normal known issue with this mouse. And people are like, yeah, sorry, you, you, sorry, it's very common for this to happen. There's no fix. There are some temporary fixes which I tried, um, such as switch cleaner and... Um, some people just said if you like smack the mouse around a little bit, it will fix it. And to be true, to be um, fair, that did fix it for a day or two, and then it came back and it was worse than ever. I think more than half of my clicks were double clicks instead of the proper single clicks. So I had to quickly run out of the house to go buy a new mouse, and I was planning to not get another one of these. I did not want to give Logitech my money. Um, but the problem was I went to Greenstone Shopping Center, which has a few like tech stores, but it doesn't have a lot. And I was going to buy a different mouse, but I thought, you know what? Let me just buy one I know. And I got another G502. Now, I wanted to bring it up because I still think it's a very good mouse. And I want to talk to Brendan because he actually also bought one for himself. Another little nasty surprise. This new version I got, plastic cable instead of braided. Yeah. That was so, mine as well, I noticed. So, yeah, Brendan, so the version you got, first of all, this is a real scum move by Logitech because if you, like, went on to the internet and you watched a review of the Logitech 502 in the last few years and you thought, oh, you see, it's got a, you know, braided cable, cool. You go to the shop or you order online, you're going to get plastic. It's, it's like, purely a, a cost-saving measure and it's really irritating. Now, I know some people really hate braided cables. And for those people, I'll say, sure, that's that's perfect. If you prefer one or the other, that's like personal preference. But for Logitech to have two products on the market that have the same name and for them to have different properties is really infuriating. The mm. only good thing I can say about this is that apparently any of the new ones that have the plastic cable instead of braided also have upgraded uh, buttons that shouldn't have the same error as I experience with the uh, the double click issue. So, so Clinton, sorry, I just want to jump in yes. here because this is actually my second G502 here. Oh my God. Okay, you tell me what happened to you, Brendan. <laughs> so my first one, okay. So the first one I have to kind of admit that uh, it, it was user error initially. So okay. I spilled a cup of coffee on my desk yes. and a little bit of that went into uh, the, the left mouse button. Okay. Um, the, and again, that's the that's the most important button. <laughs> yeah. So initially, it wasn't a problem. Nothing bad happened. Like the mouse button would stick, uh, but if you just clicked it a couple of times, that problem would kind of resolve. Mm. But eventually, what happened was um, the uh, button that's next to the uh, I think it's uh, it's G G eight. Yeah. Uh, the button that's next to the um, 
the left click mouse button at the top. So that is usually used for um, changing, or well, I set it to changing my uh, sensitivity up and down. Yeah. Um, and I also was initially like, oh, I can, I can deal with that. And narrator, he could in fact not deal with that because <laughs> I realized how often I changed the sensitivity of my mouse on a day-to-day basis. Like if I'm editing a video, then I will put it down to lower sensitivity so that I have more control. If I'm just browsing the internet, it's high sensitivity. So that button dying was a really big issue for me. Um, and eventually I just had to throw the mouse away because I couldn't get it repaired. Yeah, it's literally useless. Yeah, it, like you can't repair it. You can't open the mouse, which I, that's kind of my biggest irritation with this is that for I... the price... Yeah. I feel like you should be able to open or at least take this mouse apart more easily to be able to clean it or to be able to service parts, swap out switches. Like, it's just silly to me that this mouse costs as much as it does and it hasn't got nearly as much functionality as similar mouses with more at the same price that offer a greater degree of, like, maintenance. Yeah. Dude, I watched a video of someone taking this apart to fix the double-click issue. First of all, I couldn't do that because they were like, oh, just buy this uh, replacement switch from Amazon and replace it. Don't live in America. I'm not going to spend like 500 Rand importing a switch. That's like half the cost of the mouse. But anyway, watch that video of them taking this mouse apart. It is a nightmare. There are springs and little plastic hinges, and there's it is not meant to be taken apart mm. at all. Um yeah, so I completely agree with you, Brendan. It's insane. Um, I know some mouse brands, not like big name mouse brands, but like little, you know, like garage shop um, uh, companies. Some of them have been offering Cherry MX switches or like um, just uh, generic uh, mechanical keyboard switches that you can hot swap, which is awesome. Yeah. And it would prevent problems like this because like 95% of our, our mouses, our mice are still functional. It's just a very important button. They're yeah. broke. So it's it's really I mean, this is why we have so much e waste. Um so Brendan, your first one was the braided cable version. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then did you also get a shock and your new one is a plastic one? Yeah, I was I, I at first I didn't notice and then because I wasn't at my desktop and then I got yeah. to my desktop and my keyboard has a braided cable. And yeah. Then I realized I was like, Oh, hang on a second. This used <laughs> to have a braided cable as well. Yeah. Uh, which was really disappointing, um, but I, hopefully the switches are, the, are better because, like, the, apparently the, they are. Honestly, apparently. the reason I bought this mouse again mm. was for the fact that it has tilt left and right on the the mouse on wheel. The scroll wheel. Yeah. It also has um, free wheel on the yeah, scroll wheel, which, which is, is like it's, it's like one of the only mice that does that. Um, yeah. It's funny. It has some like vestigial features that used to be more commonplace in mice but aren't anymore like adjustable weights um there was a there used to be a massive movement towards heavy mice and it went completely 180 towards completely light mice yeah so the fact that this comes with it's it's a super heavy mouse already and then it's like yeah he has more weight um so yeah the reason i bought mine is that i needed it to work i had to buy whatever was at the shop i was at and I was just like, let me just take the guesswork out and buy this one. Um, that being said, they only had two mice uh, out of a box for people to try. It was funny enough, a Logitech G502 Hero. And then a Death Adder Essential, which is a really simple, like, um, what do they call them? Five button mice. Um, and you just plug it in and you use it. 
the reason I didn't buy it, and I was actually very close to buying the, the Death Adder Essential instead of another G502, was that there is no internal memory on the Death Adder Essential, which means if you want to customize the buttons or the lights, you have to have Razor Synapse running all the time, and I don't I don't want that bloatware. Um, listen, we're running out of time. There wasn't even time to talk about Logitech G-Hub, which is one of the worst pieces of software I've ever been saddled with. Um, Basically, what you have to do is you download the software, configure your mouse, and then you absolutely nuke that software off your PC so it doesn't slow you down. Um, yeah, the Death Adder Essential is pretty nice, but the problem is um, the... Th I don't know what the button is. It's the one that you operate with your mouse. I use that as a middle mouse click to... You know you can use that to open tabs. Yeah. Yeah, that's like... I cannot live without a mouse that has the mouse button to open and close tabs. It's... It's one of the best things. I really think all mice should have that as... No, all of them need the software. tilt scroll. All of them need tilt scroll. What do you use the tilt scroll for, Brendan? For, I'm, I'm... for uh, like, so a lot of my emails uh, in Gmail tend to go yes. wider than yeah, the Yeah, because they formatted badly. Yeah, yeah I also have that they come problem. from Apple devices. So yeah. I, I use it for that. It's also well, just really useful, like, for scrolling things that are wider, like TweetDeck, rest in peace. But... Um, but Brendan, yeah, Brendan, you you can use the middle mouse click for that too. No, you I, know that, right? I want the I, I want the feeling of being able to. Okay. So for those who don't mouse. know, if you have a scroll wheel and you press the scroll wheel in, you can open a new tab on a link, and then in the top of the browser you can click there as well to close the link, and also if you click on a part of the web page that has no links in it, it turns into a free scroll. So yeah, but not left and right. Yeah. No, it is left and right. Oh. Brendan, what are you talking? It is. It is. Don't, it's don't left. lie to me. Am I about Brendan, to learn something? Brendan, Today I are learned. you? Okay, we we do we're doing this live. <laughs> yeah, hang on. I'm, I'm opening <laughs> Tweetdeck. Find, find a big web page yeah, that I'm has. I'm opening Tweetdeck. I'm opening Tweetdeck. Okay. Okay. Oh um, my goodness. Oh my God, Brendan. You can, you can go left and right and up and down. It goes oh in all directions. Oh my goodness, this is nonsense. Oh, I'm telling you. Today I No, learned. you see, you don't. So you don't really need. Well, no, I don't. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> All this time wasted. No, but it's like, so yeah. The middle mouse click on the 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 thumb is like, uh, it's a no-brainer for me, and I don't want to run Razor Synapse and I don't want to run some third-party software. So, any mouse that doesn't have um, uh, uh what's it called? Um, internal memory is a no for me. Last thing I want to say. Don't buy Logitech stuff anymore. They've, uh, man, they've, they've really peeved me off. I could use some other words here, but I'll just say that, that it's failed me as like a proper, like as a consumer, as someone who spent my own real money, several thousand rand on Logitech products. Never again if I can help it. Yeah. Awesome. That's going to wrap it up from us for this edition of the Africast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. For myself, Brendan Lotz, cheerio from Kinsamatos. Bye, everybody. And from Louis Monzon. See you guys next time. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.